Welcome to Living the Writing Life podcast. My guest today is Deborah Tabola, a memoirist, poet, playwright, and co-author of a children's book. Her work has earned four Pushcart Prize nominations, three Academy of American Poets Awards, and a Children's Choice Book Award. Her memoir, Hummingbird in Underworld, won a Next Generation Indie Book Award in Social Justice, a Nautilus Silver Book Award in Heroic Journeys, a Reader's Favorite Bronze Medal in Nonfiction Social Issues, and first place in Chanticleer's International's Harton Awards. It was also a finalist in the Willa Literary Awards, Women Writing the West in Creative Nonfiction. And last year, it was released in Hong Kong and Taiwan. In today's conversation, we'll discuss the role the arts can play in the lives of those who are incarcerated, what led Deborah to become involved with prisoners, and her goal in writing her memoir. So welcome to the show, Deborah. Thank you. You know, I'm, I'm very interested in, in hearing your story. You have a 30-year history of involvement with the California prison system and the incarcerated as a teacher of the arts, beginning back in 1992 when you taught creative writing in the prison. So what led to your involvement with the incarcerated in the first place? Well, I guess you could say... It was an accident, but I don't really think of it that way. Um, in my book, I describe my first meal away from home, which was in a prison, <clears throat> the California men's colony. And 45 years later, I was hired there to teach and run the arts program. But when I started in Tehachapi, <clears throat> I was working as a poet in the schools and I went to a conference and I had just moved to this town, Tehachapi. And <clears throat> one of the people at the conference said, oh, you should um, teach in the prison. That's the best gig called the guy. <laughs> so I called the guy and then I went in as a guest artist. I loved it. Then he hired me to teach and I taught there for a couple of years and also at some other prisons in Kern County. And then in 2000, I went to the California men's colony. Wow, that, that is, that's fascinating. And it's always interesting to see how things transpire. You know, even if you weren't thinking of that as a plan, somehow things just come together and, and lead you to opportunities. And I guess my first meal when I was three, my first meal away from home, I said to my father who worked there, Daddy, I like eating at the joint. So it must have made some kind of impression on me, you know. <laughs> yeah, you, we never know. We never know what strikes a child. And, and um, but that, that is interesting. I have to say that's of, of the people that I've interviewed. No one's had quite that experience in terms <laughs> of what led them into certain professions. This idea, uh, you know, going back to when you first started, this idea of, 
teaching creative writing or any form of the arts in the prison, was that a relatively new concept back then? No, I work for a nonprofit, the William James Association, and they started the Prison Arts Project in 1977. And that later became Arts and Corrections, and that's who I worked for. Okay, all right. Now, I'm, I'm kind of curious, why did you choose to do this in a men's prison versus in, in a women's prison? Because I lived in a prison town with a men's prison. <laughs> so, you know, and I was teaching, <clears throat> I was working as an adjunct professor teaching comp at various colleges. But then I got to teach poetry in prison and that was much better. That is, that is fascinating. Did you have to, because you had already been teaching in college, did you have to prepare differently to be teaching prisoners versus college students? Was there, not only was there any academic instructor type changes, but psychologically, was there, was there anything that you had to think about or consider before you went in for your first, your first class? Well, um, so the students didn't get academic credit or anything. They were just there because they wanted to, to learn. Unlike some of my college students, hate to say, but um, other than that, so that was very re refreshing to me that they just want to learn, you know? But then I realized, you know, people were at different levels. So I had one student who could barely read and then one with an advanced degree and everything in between. So that was challenging. Yeah, um, I'm curious too, what purpose do you think writing or, or offering any form of the arts does for those who are incarcerated? What's the benefit for them? Well, it connects them to their humanity and to each other. And that's huge. Yeah, you know, we, I think we don't think about that at all, but you know, people might think, oh, why can't they learn a skill that's going to assist them when they get out. But yeah, I, I can see where that would be just as important, if not more important. Right. And, you know, I think it's life-changing for many people to have that <clears throat> introspection and ability to, you know, well, it's healing actually. And especially writing, there have been a lot of studies on how creative writing can heal trauma. Mm -hmm. And almost everyone in there has trauma. Maybe everyone, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, did you get a lot of 
support from the prison administration or, you know, were they in favor of this type of thing or did they think it was just busy stuff? Well, I think in every institution that I've worked in, the people at the top are in favor. They know the good it does. But then there's a lot of people in between them and me who aren't so happy about it. Mm -hmm. They think it's like coddling inmates or they say things like hug a thug. Mm. So, you know, but I think now that was back then. Now attitudes are changing and a lot of the staff are very supportive. Well, that's that's good. That is absolutely good. When you first started doing this, did you what were you hoping to accomplish? What was your goal at that time when you first started teaching in the prisons? just to get my students engaged in creative writing and listening, very important. And then to bring in the work of other poets that would, they could relate to and who would inspire them. Mm -hmm. Now, after all this time, is that still your goal or have you expanded on that in any way? Well, After I started at CNC, we started doing theater. So I went from just creative writing to theater too. And then after a time, I'm teaching now also at CMC. And we have this class called Page to Stage. And I give writing prompts to the students And then after about 12 weeks, I take what they've written and I craft a play. So I've been doing that for several years. So now we're at a whole different level with that, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. because invariably they love the play and it's always a different subject because it depends on what they write, but they are so proud of this work of art, this communal project, and then they turn into actors and we perform it. That's incredible. Um, You know, you, you talked about the pride that they feel. What are some of the other changes that you have witnessed um, in, in your years of teaching with the students that have been part of these programs? Well, I'm in touch with several students from, in fact, I talked to one a couple of weeks ago who was in that class in Tehachapi in 92, and his whole life is creative, you know, he's into writing and theater, music, and then... um, one of my students from 2000 got in touch with me a few years ago and he's written like four books of poetry. (laughs) And then another student from 2001 
who was deported to Mexico after he finished his sentence is team teaching with me at CMC because we're because of COVID, we're doing correspondence. So we collaborate on the lesson plans and he's bilingual. And anyway, that felt like really coming full circle. And then another student of mine who was, he's actually an artist, visual artist, but took poetry classes too. He just got hired to teach art at CMC. Wow. Yeah. That has to be very rewarding for you to see how this has had such a long-term impact on the students. Um, you know, I, uh, I don't know that teachers are always, are, are always have that, um, that chance to see the difference they've made in someone's lives. But I mean, in this case, considering the people that you were working with and, and how, you know, how their lives maybe might have turned out differently if they had not had this opportunity, you know, it, it's, it's truly um, a gift that you've given them. I, I'm, you know, we, we're, we're talking to Oh, well, know. and that, that's what I was going to ask you, too, because, you know, we, we talk about what kind of change this brought to their lives and the opportunities. How did this change you, not only as an educator, but as a person? What kind of impact did it have on you? Well, it's just had a huge impact on my life. You know, I this is my passion. And I feel like it's what I was meant to do. And when my friend got hired, he had served 38 years. And he paroled right before I retired from full-time to start Poetic Justice Project. But when we learned that he was hired, we both cried on the phone. How wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So I feel very privileged to, I tell my students I'm a midwife, you know, and I'm helping you birth your create creative process and your creative product, I guess, mm-hmm. which would be your poems and the play. Right, exactly. And, and in so many ways, they themselves are, in a sense, being birthed or rebirthed, because this may have been their first opportunity to explore that aspect or that gift that they have. Right. Um, For those who are interested in being involved in in a prison system, you know, offering some kind of a, a creative writing or an arts program, Uh, What advice would you have for them? I would um, tell them to explore the programs in their area and then um, talk to someone who's been doing it and then see if they can go as a guest artist 
just to see if it, you know, clicks for them. Because mm -hmm. I think it's not for everyone. I mean, it, it's, um, there are a lot of rules. <laughs> you know, there have to be, but you have to work <clears throat> in this kind of paramilitary setting. And that puts some people off, mm -hmm. but it's worth it. Well, it certainly sounds like it has been worth it for you. I mean, to be able to be with it this long, to have, you know, worked with so many prisoners over the years and, and just what you know so far in terms of the outcome. Uh, I'm sure there's many more that you, you're not even aware of, whether they went on to, to publish professionally or whether it just gave them the ability to, to learn how better to communicate once they got out. I mean, that, that in of itself is, is quite, you know, quite significant right there because it can be, it can be a, a make or break situation when you're incarcerated. And then, you know, to have the opportunity to find something to hold on to. And, and maybe it has changed how they view themselves. Is, is that the sense that you had? Yes, definitely. Um, <clears throat> and it's like, um, I tell my students, you know, poets are a family and when you get out, try to go to a writer's group, go to open mics, just connect with your people. <laughs> and I think some of them have taken that advice and it's good, you know, for them. Yes, absolutely. Because it can be hard, I would imagine, to, when you come out to try and find who, who, who are my people. You know, right. so to be able to continue to pursue that gift and that that potential that they have and, and that acceptance is, you know, certainly significant. Um, let's talk a little bit about your book, Hummingbird and Underworld. Um, what was your initial goal in writing the book? Um, I wanted to just shine a light on a world that many people don't see up close um, because we pay for these inst institutions. So we should have some sense of what's going on there. Mm -hmm. And then because of that meal at the prison when I was three, I kind of thought maybe I should tell my own story along with the narrative arc of the prison. And I think later I realized um, maybe it's important for the reader to know who the narrator of this is. And, you know, we have reliable and unreliable narrators. I hope I'm reliable. <laughs> But I thought <clears throat> that was probably a good choice. Absolutely. Um, you know, I was, 
I was interested when I when I read uh, the LA Times review of your book, it refers to your dedication to keeping these inmates attuned to their creative spark. Why was this important to you to give them that opportunity? That's like one of the best things in life, right? And if you can keep that going inside yourself, you, it's like having the world to me. Mm -hmm. While you were writing the book and, and after it was, was finished and you were going through it, reading it as we all do, you know, reading what we wrote, did you realize anything new about yourself? Hmm. It was just, I guess I saw from a further distance, this arc of my career and how much I cared about it. And, you know, just writing some things, it just took me right back to that moment, even though it was like 20 years ago. And so it kind of affirmed for me my choice to take this path. Okay. Now you had referred to this Poetic Justice Project. What is that? Uh, tell us what it's about. So um, at the end of 2008, I retired from the prison system to start the country's first theater company for formerly incarcerated citizens. And that was on the central coast here. And <clears throat> that, so that started at the beginning of 2009. So every year we did two productions and traveled quite a bit. And um, last year we actually, even though I said when the pandemic hit, I am not doing a play on Zoom, guess what we did? And it was the same kind of page to stage creation. And it was so good. So I'm hoping to put it up on the, internet soon. Um, we entered it into some film festivals and I'm waiting for the deadlines to pass. So these are actually plays that um, the, the, the um, formerly incarcerated people wrote or wrote in collaboration with you? How did that work? No, not until this last, well, we've had a couple that were that way, but Sometimes, you know, I wrote the play or someone else wrote it. A friend of mine wrote a wonderful play called Women Behind the Walls. We did that one. Um, and then twice we have done not original work. Um, we were invited to the Steinbeck Festival one year and we did Of Mice and Men. And um, we also did The Exonerated um, when California was going to be voting on the death penalty. Wow. So you're doing that now, and you're also back um, at Etsy 
California men's colony, you're, you're now teaching creative writing and theater, right? Right. So is, is it different now than for you than when you first began so many years ago? Is, is there any difference or is it kind of like back in the saddle again? Um, <clears throat> I feel seasoned, you know, and every once in a while somebody pops up to surprise me, but usually I'm but the difference lately has been COVID causing us to go remote and they don't like computers in prison so we can't Zoom. So it's old fashioned correspondence. And recently we went back in in person and then Omicron took us out again. So that's challenging, it's, you know, it's important for the students to meet with each other, not just the teachers. So hoping this year we'll get back to normal. Yes, I, th I think we're all hoping for that. And certainly for, for them, I, I would think, especially if they were involved in this before and then when the pandemic hit to have that taken away. Yeah. When they have so few opportunities to be in with, you know, right. circumstances that that must have been, you know, disheartening to say the least. Yes. So what is next on the horizon for you? What else do you have planned besides everything else that you're doing? Um, well, I'm just finished a first draft of a book called Hindsight and it, <clears throat> it's haiku poems month by month of 2020 and it's looking at the pandemic politics racial justice the weather animals and what's going on in my world so my editor is gonna start on it next month and then we'll see where it goes well it's, it sounds like you are very much, I don't know if the word would be activist, but you're certainly very involved in outside of your home, you know, in, in the community, in the world at large. Do, do you find sometimes, especially given your work with the prisoners and that, I mean, I, I know you said it's been very rewarding, very positive, but sometimes do you find it disheartening for you? Or sometimes do you wonder, you know, is this ever going to get better? Is, are things going to turn around? How do you, you know, if, and if you do, how do you get through that? Um, I find it heartening, not disheartening, <laughs> um, because of just the exchanges in the classroom. And when I hear from my former students, you know, how well they're doing. Um, and I do think things are gonna get better and have already started to change. And again, 2020 was a time that 
laid a lot of things bare for people to see. And I think you can't go back once you've come to that kind of awareness about especially our criminal justice system. Absolutely, absolutely. One, one of, a big question I like to ask, an important question, always at the end of an interview, is how do you define success in relation to your work, not only with the incarcerated, but more broadly with your work in the arts, with poetry and that? How, what is your measure of success? Well, when people read or hear my work, I want them to feel that aha, you know, that connection that, yes, I can relate. And um, I think that's the biggest reward, really. And to have people, you know, let you know, I enjoyed your book or your reading. To be able to, yeah, to make that, certainly to have that kind of feedback. Right. It's so not money. Right. Yeah. I mean, it would be nice if it were money too, but I don't think it's about that. I think you have a calling and you answer it. And then hopefully someone hears, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it will be, um, it'll be interesting to continue to, for you, I'm, I'm sure, and, and rewarding to continue to hear from those that you worked with in the prisons to see, you know, how they were able to use what you taught. Again, whether it's to go on to be quote unquote professional writers or just if it gave them a better understanding of themselves, possibilities, it, better way of interacting with people. And a richer life, you know? Absolutely. I, yeah. Did, did you, I, and I know I said that was the last question, but now I just thought of one. Did you also um, do anything regarding journaling with them? Did, did you encourage them to, to keep journals or do any writing like that or, or was it more focused just on, on what you were teaching them? No, um, but I did, you know, with writing prompts, one of my favorite ones is where I come from and I ask to tell me what's cooking on the stove, what you see when you look out the window, what music is playing, use a color and try and put me, you know, <clears throat> back at whatever point in time you're choosing, try and put me in that environment as a reader. And those are always so strong, those responses. So in a way, some of the writing prompts are like a journal entry. Um, and a lot of assignments ask people to look back and forward as well as in the moment. Well, I, I really have to applaud you for doing this for 
looking for a variety of ways to work with the incarcerated and those who have been released to, you know, to connect them with the arts and use the arts, you know, to, to help themselves. I mean, that is, you know, that's, that's what we hope for as, as writers, as people who are pursuing the arts is to make a difference or maybe make people look at things a different way. And certainly in what you're doing, it's, it's huge. It's huge because while you're there, you may be the only, the only opportunity they have to really think about, about themselves or the world in a different way, you know, through the arts. So it had to have been, you know, it has to be a absolutely rewarding opportunity for, for both of you, for you and, and for the people that you're teaching. It's a joy for me. And I'm hoping, you know, as my students go forward, they become midwives in their own right, in some circle somewhere, maybe their families, maybe friends, other writers. But I think this is the kind of thing we do. And in fact, in my class right now, we're doing a family tree of poets. So um, <clears throat> we're asking each student to name three poets they've been influenced by. And then my goal is to demonstrate how poets affect each other across time and space. And I'm really excited about this because we have just this amazing tree and we've just started. Oh, that's so, a wonderful idea. Yeah, so I want them to internalize that idea that, okay, I'm one of these poets. That means I've got people all over the world, you know, living and dead that I'm related to. And I, and I think too, it gives them a way to look at themselves or an additional identity to, to have for themselves that they're not just, I'm an inmate or, you know, I'm an ex-con or whatever, whatever term or whatever stage they're at, but now they have a, they have a new identity. One yes. that is certainly more positive. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm, I'm really, I, this was really a, an interesting and, and um, enlightening opportunity to learn about a different way that arts can affect people. You know, we, we tend to think, we tend to think of, of our work affecting people who pick up our books in a bookstore or come to a reading or whatever. And in this particular instance with what you're doing, I mean, it is, it sounds like it has literally been life-changing for these people and for me <laughs> and for you. So, you know, it's not often people have that, that positive experience where they can combine the arts and their, and, you know, their work and make that much of a difference. So, you know, I really applaud you for doing this. This is, this is absolutely fabulous. So thank you for being on the show. Oh, Nancy, thank you so much for inviting me. You have a great day. You too.